You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Brendan Chagru, the assistant editor of Bears Wire, Patrick Sheldon, he's here, and Jack Wright. Now, if you want to find Brendan on Twitter, it's at Brendan Chagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. You want to find Jack on Twitter, it's at Bear Down Jack. Patrick Sheldon, if you want to find him on Twitter, it's at P underscore Shells. Boys, we got such a big guest. We're going to forego all the, the pleasantries, and we're going to hop right into it. Brennan, talk to us about this phenomenal, phenomenal guest. Yeah, guys, I am I'm so excited to bring this guy on. Um, I think he's, uh, he's coming back on here. I saw him. I think he's just jumping on here. Here we go. This is former Chicago Bears fullback. From 2003 to 2009, he is now the ESPN 1000 Bears, one of the uh, Bears podcast hosts over at ESPN 1000, and the new Bears Radio Network sideline reporter, Jason McKee. Jason, man, thank you so much for coming on the Bear Down Chicago podcast. Happy happy Victory Sunday. How are you feeling today? I feel good. Thanks for having me on. I had to uh, make sure my daughter, she's having a sleepover, so her friend's here to make sure they uh, went upstairs so I could hear you guys. and Not a lot of noise (laughs) in the background. But no, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All good. All good, man. So before we get into the game, uh, yesterday was was such a huge moment for you, I'd imagine. This is your first game as the the new sideline reporter for the Bears. What was that like? You know, obviously different different times from being on the sideline at Soldier Field when you were a player to now. But, you know, what was that whole experience like for you? Um, you know, I actually thought I would be more nervous just because it's, you know, I've done a lot of media and radio and TV and stuff like that. Um, I've done a lot of that since I retired playing, uh, but this is something new. I've never done sideline reporting before. Uh, so I thought I'd be more nervous, but actually when I got down on the sideline and started talking to people and a lot of people I knew that played for, you know, played and coached for the Titans. So it felt comfortable. Um, it just felt like I was actually sitting out a game. And then I, you know, the, the weird thing was just kind of reporting injuries and stuff like that. Something I wouldn't do if I was sitting out a game. Uh, but it felt it felt pretty normal. It, w- it was fun. I had a good time. And, uh, you know, I hope I did a good job. I think it went OK. Um, you know, I'm obviously as a as a professional athlete, you're always going to strive to do better. You're always going to work at your craft. So, you know, it's something that I want to, you know, perfect and try to get as close to perfection as I can. So I'll continue to work on it. But, you know, I hope, hope it went good. I'm glad the Bears won. It made it a lot better talking about a win than than a loss. Absolutely. And real quickly, before I pass it over to Ryan, uh, I did see that with uh, Chris Harris, you guys linked up for a picture and that just, that, that touched me as like a big fan. You guys, that mid, those mid two thousands bears, that was my team growing up. So uh, that was awesome to see you and Chris link up again. Yeah. Chris is man. He, he's been like a brother to me, just like all the, all the guys on that team, you know, we're real close and uh, he's been coaching ever since he retired as well. So he just got to Tennessee this year. 
He's been moving up, moving up the ranks, and you know, he's going to be a defensive coordinator one day. You know, in the next couple of years, mark my words, Chris Harris will be a defensive coordinator. So, you know, I knew he was coming to town. You know, he texted me. I text him. But hey, I'll be down there. He's like, hey, I'm going to come find you. So it's just like that, man. It's just a brotherhood. And anytime you get an opportunity to spend time with your brothers, it's a good time. So it was great seeing him. I'm glad him and his family is doing really well. Uh, Jay Mack, I got to say, man, this is a really, uh, really cool opportunity for us to sit and chat with you, all of us, big fans of you, big fans of the teams that you played on. Uh, I mean, I, when people ask, who's your favorite fullback? I mean, that's it, Jason McKee, and there's there's no two ways about it. So thank you for being here with us. You know, yesterday we had a lot of big plays, a, a lot of wild moments, Justin Fields, you know, those three passes and two touchdowns. What were your overall reactions to what you saw? Yeah, just in terms of the first team offense, um, you know, those those screen passes that went for long touchdowns is something that they've been working on the entire training camp. And Coach Getsy's had a lot of screen periods where they're just working on screens. They're working on mechanics. Uh, the backs is working on their landmarks. The offensive line is working on their landmarks um, in, in terms of the, those details of those plays. And it's just good to see that, you know, the work they've been putting in on the practice field translates to the game. And, you know, we've all seen what DJ's more done, through, what he's done throughout camp. Um, but just for him to get his first touch, be a touchdown in Chicago, that just makes it all sweeter. Uh, and to see those big hogs get out in front, open up lanes. Braxton Jones had a good play, uh, a good block. Tevin Jenkins had a good block um, on the DJ Moore touchdown. And then you go back to what Khalil Herbert did. It's just good to see those explosive plays because last year we know those explosive plays were generated with just Justin Fields' legs. So it's good to see that there are weapons in this offense that can create explosive plays, something that was lacking last year. Hey, Jason, uh, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You know, this was the first time we got to see the Bears against another team. They haven't had a practice scrimmage or anything like that. So I'm curious, uh, is there anything that surprised you about the game? And if you had one positive and one negative takeaway from the game, what would they be? I mean, the biggest surprise, I'm sure I'm not the only one, was the eight sacks and four takeaways. I didn't expect that, Mm -hmm. Um, especially from a team that only had 20 sacks as a whole last year. Um, so I was really I was surprised, but obviously that's a positive sign to see that we do have uh, some talent that can get to the quarterback. Um, you know, the negatives, I mean, the one negative I would, would have, and I don't know if it's a negative, it's just, you know, me being a Bears fan and an analyst now, it's just I wanted to see more more of that first team offense, more of that first team defense, you know, just just having, you know, a watered down sample size of what they were able to do. It just left you scratching your head like, man, I want, I want to see more. You know, they are obviously clicking early, but I wanted to see them, you know, Justin be on the field more, uh, throw some more passes, maybe Khalil get some more carries, Deontay Foreman get some more carries, uh, stuff like that. But overall, I mean, the biggest the biggest win in preseason for any team is health. And if you come out healthy, that's a win for the entire team. So I think we came out pretty healthy. So I was, I was real happy about that. Uh, Jason, I want to get one quick follow-up here. Uh, you mentioned about the eight sacks. Were you concerned at all about the first-team defense letting Malik Willis and the Titans just kind of drive down on them? Because that was kind of a that was kind of a rough start, I think, before they found their footing. Yeah, you know what? They did drive the ball down the field. Had I think it was a 12-play drive. But when you go back to that drive, we had two opportunities in which they, we had two takeaways on that drive, uh, which they, they were close, you know what I mean? And, and both were by Kyler Gordon. Uh, Kyler mm-hmm. Gordon had the big hit on a Titans receiver. I think his name was Chris Moore uh, twice, actually, in that same drive. So it's good to see a defense, right, that played with so much energy, so much passion throughout camp practices, but continue that passion and that energy 
into a game uh, type atmosphere. So real encouraged about that. You know, every guy, every defender that got in the game, you know, showed energy. You know, there was a lot of young guys making plays, getting sacks, getting takeaways, a lot of big hits. And that's what you want to see. You know, you want to see physicality, especially from a Chicago Bears defense. I mean, that's our trademark. That's what we're known for. So I was really encouraged to see that type of, that style of play uh, out, you know, in preseason game number one. Jason, you broached this just a little bit. I mean, you were at plenty of uh, training camp practices besides the energy that you just mentioned. Was there any other carryover that you saw from training camp to on the field uh, a Saturday? Um, yeah, just just energy. You know, that's the main thing. Like, you know, as a, as a coach, I'm a high school coach and, you know, I tell my coaches and and I, and I stole this phrase from another coach. So I'm not going to coin it as my own. It's, uh, you know, if you're juiceless, you're useless. And I saw a lot of juice out there. When a guy made a play, when he came off to the sideline, the whole team was was jumping up, congratulating that player that made that play. And that just goes to show you that, you know, this team and, and these players have talked about chemistry all, all offseason. But, you know, that's the real chemistry is when you really see it, when you're congratulating your brother for making a play. You know, when you're standing up on the sideline watching and hoping you guys make a play. That shows that these guys have really been spending time with each other away from the facility, uh, you know, trying to trying to gain that type that team chemistry. And, and team chemistry is uh, is a success for any team, you know, trying to be successful. Jason, sorry about that. As a former player, you know, uh, thinking about preseason, thinking about, you know, some fans put a lot of stock into it. Some don't. Uh, some, you know, they'll they'll put uh, right in front of everything. It's just preseason. It's just preseason. You know, how much do do you as a former player put into these preseason performances? You know, is it is it a segue into the season? Without a doubt. And, you know, I have two perspectives on it now as an analyst. It's just a little different. Um I still put a lot of stock in it because I've been there. You know, I've been one of those guys who've been on the bubble of making a roster. You know, I've been one of those guys who's been fighting for their football lives. So I know what those guys are going through. Uh, so I, I do put a lot of stock in it and, and watch those guys because at the end of the day, every player that makes your 53-man roster and even your practice squad nowadays, they're going to contribute in some type of way to this football team. You know, there's injuries that happen, and I hope, you know, the Bears go through a season in which we don't have injuries, but we know that's that's impossible. It's going to happen. So every player being evaluated to make this roster, they're going to have to contribute in some form or fashion. And that's the thing. That's why uh, these coaches and GMs are looking for versatility because they know, hey, if I have a guy that can play safety, but he can be a four-phase core special teams guy, well, then he has a higher chance of making a roster because he fills more than one void. And that's what they're looking for, versatility. So – I do put a lot of stock in it. You know, I think it's it's good for the young guys to get reps to develop. Um, it's good for the starters to get some live action uh, because in practice, you know, practice is so different from when we played. Um, you know, they're not really hitting a lot. Practice is shorter. Uh, they're going three days of practice and one day of rest. Um, you, you notice the entire training camp, there was no live tackling periods. Um, when we played, um, Lovey would do a good job. He would tell us the day before, hey, we're doing goal line today and it's going to be live you know the ones are going to go five plays live the twos are going to go three plays you know the threes are going to go two plays um and that and that really helps you you know get your body callous get your body ready to to you know to be physical get your body prepared to be tackled and be hit and to be twisted in all kind of different positions that you're not normally used to so you know i, I think it is good you know for these guys to you know i i do put stock in it in terms of preseason because of those reasons 
Hey, uh, Jason, real quick. Uh, sorry, Jack, I don't want to jump in front of you again. <laughs> but as we're, we're talking more about camp, um, Ryan and I had the chance to go to camp earlier this week. We talked to uh, your new teammate, actually, Tom Waddle, And uh, we just asked him <clears throat> the difference between, you know, practicing at Hallis Hall for camp versus Olivet Nazarene. Obviously, the practices themselves are much different. But, you know, if you're a player today, how would you feel about just – playing and practicing at Hallis Hall versus going away to Bourbon A every year? Man, that's a good question. You know, um, when I first heard they were going to be having camp at Hallis Hall, I was jealous. I was like, man, I, I would have got to go home or I'm right around the corner <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, we love Bourbon A. You know, we love Olivet Nazarene because I think those days in camp, you know, the dog days of camp where, you know, you're going against the same guys every day. I'm going against Erlacher every day. I'm going against Briggs every day. I'm tired of seeing their face. They're tired of seeing my face. You know what I mean? But the thing is, that's where that's where we that's where we built a lot of bonds. And, you know, our team is is one, you know, th- those years that I played, uh, you know, we had a real close knit team and we're still close to this day. You know, our our kids grew up together. You know, they're they're my kids, uncles and I'm their kids, unc- you know, uncle and stuff like that. But the bonds were made in them dorm rooms, you know, when you're off the practice field. You know, those, those are the type of things I think that these guys are missing. And I don't know, you know, I don't, I'm not around them when they leave the facility. So, they, hey, they may be getting together more outside of meetings and stuff like that. So I can't speak for their teams. But for our team, I can say that, um, you know, Olivet Nazarene provided us an opportunity to bond, to learn each other as men and not just football players. Jason, you have raved about Justin Fields' athleticism. What have you seen from him as a passer? Have you seen improvement through camp and, and through this? It's a small sample, but from this first preseason game? Yeah, you know, in terms of we, we already knew he's an elite athlete. Um, we already know he can throw the ball a mile. Um, you know, the main thing in question was his ability to process, his ability to, you know, make quick decisions and, and grow in an offense. And him being in the second, second year in the system, just him being able to, you know, change the protections, you know, take the take the early deposits, take the check downs, you know what I'm saying, when they're there and not try to make the splash play. And I think that's where we, I've seen a lot of growth from him, especially in training camp. It feel, he feels more comfortable. He feels like he has a real good uh, command of the offense. And you know, I actually got to interview him right after the game. Um, and you know, that was one of the questions I asked him. I said, how comfortable are you in this in the second year in the system? And he said he's real comfortable. You know, guess he's letting him call his own plays in the two-minute drill, um, something that I don't think he did last year. Um, if you notice, Getsy, um, if you've been to camp practices, you notice he has a lot of different uh, personnel groupings he uses, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions, something that they didn't do a lot of last year. But this year in training camp, almost every play has a shift, a motion, um, something like that, to add to add just to the, to the ambiance of the offense. And – you know, with Justin being more comfortable in this offense, I think we're going to see, you know, a better version of him because now he can just go out there and play faster. You know, he already knows where he wants to go with the ball based upon the coverage. You know, he's able to change protections. And, and when you have that type of growth and development uh, in terms of a quarterback, when he feels comfortable in the system, you're going to see growth. But then when you add pieces to, to, to the puzzle, when you add a DJ Moore, uh, you know, you add Robert Tunyon, you add some guys that can help him make plays, you know, I think he's going to, it's going to, he's going to develop faster and hopefully he can take the next step. 
Jason, speaking of helping a young quarterback, you know, nothing helps out a young quarterback more than a, a good run game. And the Bears have a very loaded and crowded uh, running back room. So I'm curious, who do you think separates themselves as the week one starter? And is there anybody else in that room that's kind of surprising you or you think is separating themselves from the pack? You know what? Nobody's really surprised me yet. Um, I know, you know, Rashawn Johnson had a great game. I expected that from him because I think he's that type of player. Um, Deontay Foreman, you know, he didn't have, I can't even say he had a bad game because he didn't get a lot of opportunities. Um, Travis Homer, I felt he, he, I thought Travis Homer had a good game. You know, he, he ran the ball tough, but if you remember the play that, uh, Nathan Peterson threw that bomb to Isaiah Ford, uh, Travis Homer stuck his nose in there and picked up a blissing linebacker. So that was, that was great to see him in pass protection and Homer's a guy that can come in and help you you know, on the offensive side of the ball, but he's also a four-phase guy. So that's what he has going for him. Um, so it's good. I think we have a good collection of backs that can do a lot of different things. So I'm excited. You know, when you, when you have a good group of backs, um, you don't have to just lean on one. You know, you I don't know if you're going to go by a, a running back by committee, but the good thing is we have options at that position. We cannot let you go without asking – a fullback question. I mean, like you are the perfect person to ask. I'm personally a big Kari Blossom game fan. Uh, I really liked the signing when they got him last year. And I was hoping they would use him a little bit more, just a little variety because he can not only block, he can catch, he can run. And we saw a little bit about this camp uh, with that happening. So I'm curious, are you happy with how they're using him? And what do you, do you think his role will expand this year? Yeah, I hope so, man. He, he's he's a really good player. Like you said, he can do a lot of things. He brings versatility with that fullback position. And when you have another piece like that, another chess piece that you can use to your advantage, I think it just enhances the offense. So now I'd love to see them stay in 21 personnel and, and get them out in the flat like they did early in the game uh, yesterday. It just makes the defense defend the whole field. Um, so now I'm excited. I, I hope that just wasn't a preseason thing. I hope they just build upon that and and continue to use, you know, all the weapons they got. I think they got a lot of talented players on the, on this team, not just on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm hoping Gessie continues to use his creativity, uh, continues to get guys the ball and, and spread it around. For sure. Jason, we know your time is precious. We really appreciate you giving us some time here on your Sunday evening. I mean, if anyone for some reason is not following you, and we talked about the various ways that people can uh, catch your content, where can they find you? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, for the most part. Um, so you can follow me there at jmac37. Uh, uh, you can find me there. And uh, appreciate you guys having me on. You guys had a good show and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, jmac. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, real quickly, you. Best, best of luck this season at Carmel. Uh, I personally have a vested interest because my cousin plays for you. So I'm hoping for big things for you guys. So, uh, again, we really appreciate the time, man. No problem. You guys take care. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. You too. All right. All right, that is Jason McKee, former Bears fullback, Bears sideline reporter now. Uh, a lot of great info there and uh, really cool to pick his brain. Hopefully we can have him on again and talk more about his uh, his playing days because that was that was fun. That, that was great. Great nugget about the uh, working on the screen so much in practice. Kind of like makes sense now, right? Like what we saw on, on – uh, Saturday, it makes sense that they've been working on it a lot and they wanted to try in the game. I mean, that's great intel.
It's interesting. I didn't pick up on it on Wednesday, but now that he said it, Brendan, I'm thinking yeah, about how many drops, you know, how many little dink and dunks to to uh, Khalil Herbert did we see? Um, I'm even trying to think that that super long run from from Ebner was that also a, a drop? I I can't remember. That was like guys. a that, that wasn't a screen, but that was definitely like a quick out. Basically, kind of like what we saw with uh, Blossom Game, just kind of you know. Two start, two steps, and then out to the right. It's essentially what we saw from Ebner. Uh, boys, he's got some help, and I know, like we, we could talk about the the Twitter wars that are going on right now. Um, you, you know, Justin Fields. No matter what he does, he's going to lose. You know, if if he throws. 40 touchdown passes people will say that he should have run more I, like it doesn't whatever it is a it's a first preseason game it's just been interesting to watch here's what i want to do because we're not going to go to the normal format for a post game but what i do want to do is i want to get through uh, all of your general thoughts about the game and then from there um i want to make sure uh that i get some true false questions for all of you guys but before we do that we have to make sure that we have some people that we absolutely positively have to thank for all of their support for us the first one is our guy jeff cadwallader i love jeff cadwallader i want you all to meet Jeff Cadwallader, because he is, and I, people say, you, you can't be that nice. No, he is that guy. 30 seconds into it, you're like, I love Jeff Cadwallader. He's been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And he has been absolutely killing it. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner or a homeowner or investor, if you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is our guy. Call or text him, Jeff Cadwallader with SVN Landmark today. 630-254-4734 or visit genevajeff.com today. You know, I come on here every single week and I look at Dangle and I look at Jack and besides being insanely jealous that they're just better looking than me, they have the most amazing hair. And uh, you know who takes care of them? Sheridan's Barbershop. That's why they have such great looking hair. Honestly, uh, if you want great looking hair, uh, you know, why, why would you ask the bald guy? Look at these two. Okay. You don't need to take my word for it. Look at these two. They look fantastic. And that's because of Sheridan's barbershop, which is located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They have been open for 69 years. They have seven bars. They are open six days a week to serve you. So you can make your appointment either online on the World Wide web, or you can give them a call. Their phone number is 630-668. 0137 or visit them at sheridansbarbershop.com and book your appointment today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, so boys, I want to get your overall thoughts on the game. Please hit me with at least one positive and one negative, but otherwise, talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm hoping that we can go a little bit back and forth. Don't feel like because it's Brendan's turn, you can't chime in. Um, if you want to argue a little bit, let's do that. But we're, we're not going to follow the regular post-game format. Before this, what I want to do, let's go Brendan, Shells, Jack, and I will finish it up. Overall thoughts, but boys, again, one more time, please make sure you have at least one positive and one negative. You can put that at the front, in the back wherever as long as you get it in there let's hear boys so i told myself this on friday night because of just how i felt last year going into the game and they're going into preseason and seeing what this team looked like under matt eberflus and being all hyped up that they went three and oh and look like the best team in football before they only won they won the same amount of preseason games as regular season games so i told myself i'm not going to overreact positively or negatively because a lot can change between now and even october let alone december uh, but that being said, I was very satisfied with what I saw. 
once again, this team continues to play hard. They play, I'd say they play smart for the most part. There were very little penalties. Uh, I My positive, I'll say off the bat, is just the overall play of the offensive line. I was scared blankless going into this game, especially after seeing say it, what, what, say it. I was scared say shitless. It. I was scared shitless about what this, especially the interior offensive line was going to look like, especially after seeing in camp with Jatari Carter and Cody Whitehair, guys were just getting in the backfield at will. And so I just kept praying that nothing was going to happen to Justin Fields. The offensive line not only held up well, they excelled. I mean, J-Mac talked a little bit about it. Those big boys were moving in those quick screen plays. Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins had an awesome block. Carter was the highest graded PFF bear. If you had asked me that on Friday, there's no way in hell I would think that he was he was that guy, especially for playing as long as he did. Um, and even the reserves, I'd say, for the most part, held up. The Bears only allowed two sacks, gave up a net total of six yards. So even those sacks didn't really, because sometimes not all sacks are created equal. You get a sack and lose 10 yards. That's so much worse than a sack for losing one yard. So I was so impressed uh, pretty much by everybody. Um, And then I'll mention Alex Leatherwood as well, playing at left guard. I thought he had a fantastic outing. Um, And then uh, actually, uh, Brad Spielberger of PFF said that the Bears up to Sunday morning, it might have changed, but allowed the fewest QB pressures of any team through the preseason, and that was three. So uh, just phenomenal job by the offensive line. Um, and then uh, negative, I could go a couple ways with this. Uh, since J-Mac already said it and I brought it up, I'll go a different route. Valus Jones Jr. Mm. Valus Jones continues <laughs> to squander every opportunity that he gets Dante Pettis wasn't active. I do wonder why the Bears didn't put him at kick returner because I do think that's where he excels more than punt returner. But he gets one punt return opportunity, doesn't realize when he should call for a fair catch, and ends up fumbling the ball just like he did last year. That cost the Bears a few games. So it's just getting really, really difficult to defend this guy. Yeah, Um I can't disagree with you. <laughs> and I've been a Vela supporter. I, I really like the kid. I'm rooting for the kid. I want him to do well, but uh, I, I, I'm out of patience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the same mistake over and over again. That, that for me is that's, that's the death knell. If you guys will indulge me, can I just get like 16 or 90 seconds? To just talk about an alternate universe because I, it's been really bothering me. Some of the, the, back and forth that we've seen on Twitter. And I just want to like play a what if game real quick. Okay. okay. That first uh, 60 yeah. seconds. You got it. No, 69 yeah. seconds. Give him 69 <laughs> seconds. I could, I could finish twice in that amount of time. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> and, and, and Dangle, I know you said you want the positive and negatives either in the front or the back. You just want us to fit it in. So I will promise you the front of the back, I'll get it in. Okay. Family ish. Wherever family. I'm just Victory Sunday, baby. I'm just confirming what you said. No. All right. All like 12th grade humor aside. Um, you only have 10 seconds left. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I may need a few more. So listen, that first pass to, to Blazing Game, right? Let, that was one of his last reads in the progression. Let's just say he tries to extend that play to get it to somebody else, or he forces the pass to somebody that's not open. Like he got a lot of criticism for last year. What do we say? 
he had a guy coming wide open, didn't take the easy check down and said he tried to make something out of nothing and threw an incompletion or threw an interception or whatever, right? We would get all over him for that. He doesn't. He takes the check down. He gains some nice yardage. The play to DJ Moore. Okay. A half a yard off, right? Uh, fine. Okay. But uh, how about last year when he hits Dante Pettis in the hands to extend a drive against Miami? How about when he hits Darnell Mooney in the hands uh, to beat Washington and he drops it? How about when he hits Amir Smith-Marset in the hands just about every oh, single game? And he I forgot it. about that guy. Okay. He was on the team last year. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why you go out and you get a number one wide receiver because he can, when you don't make the perfect play, he can bail you out of that. He can also make the pedestrian play. Justin Fields hasn't had that. So yes, maybe the pass was a half a yard off, but that's why you go out and get a guy like DJ Moore so he can catch that ball and then go do what he did in the game and, and rip off a 60 yard touchdown. The last play of the game or the, the last uh, uh, play pass from Justin Fields. If he takes a sack there, we get on him for not evading the pressure and holding on to the ball too long. If he evades the pressure and he takes off and tucks it and runs like he probably would have last year, what do we say? He's not putting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. He's not taking advantage of that and dumping it off to the guy and letting letting uh, Khalil Herbert run. But he does that, right? So then we sit here after the game and we criticize him for doing the things that we criticized him for not doing last year. And it's it's beyond insanity to me. If he had came out of the game 0 for 3 with three incompletions, people would be beside themselves. He took what the defense gave him, right? He took, to use a baseball term, he took the defensive indifference, stayed out of the double play, and, and did what he was supposed to do. And improved, in my mind, in my opinion, improved on some of the things that we criticized him for last year. So uh, I took that as a positive. I took his just coming out of the game healthy and going through those moments and doing some of the little things that we criticized him for not doing last year as a positive. So that would be my positive. Um, I would also throw Zach Pickens into the positive group. I thought he played a pretty nice game. Uh, was really happy to see that, especially as a hometown South Carolina guy. Uh, really, really happy to see him have a nice game. On the negative side, I, I was going to go Vilas Jones, but um, I will throw in uh, Jervon Dexter. Um, I... I know he's had some problems in camp, right? Like I, I know he's going to take some time, but I was kind of hoping to see uh, some of those improvements, like staying a little bit lower, having a little bit more uh, get off on the snap. Um, didn't really see a whole lot of that. He's got time. That'll improve, I hope. Uh, I will also throw not seeing Nate Davis in the starting lineup in my my negatives. I get it. He's injured, but the guy skipped OTAs. The guy has not been around a lot. The guy has not practiced a lot. And say what you will about the offensive line, they need time to gel. They need uh, they need the full unit there practicing together to gain that cohesion. And him not being in the lineup and not being at practice day after day after day, in my mind, is problematic. And, yeah, you can say he'll be there week one. That's fantastic. But uh, he's going to have to learn – playing next to Darnell Wright on the fly during the regular season. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. I was hoping he would get some level of comfortability with him before week one, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So that would be my negative, uh, just not seeing him in the lineup. I wish all of you could see our text thread and how many times Patrick Sheldon is animated about his uh, disdain for this Nate Davis situation. Not Nate Davis necessarily, but the situation. Shells, I'm going to give you a chance. Do you want to rescind your comment about the offensive line after the first team? 
What do you mean after the first team? Well, basically, so after the Bears, like, they, I think they scored either once or twice, and we were all celebrating. You said this blanking O-line. No, I listen, like, on those plays, those are tantamount to run plays. Those screens were tantamount, and we know they can block in the run. They, we know they can get out in space, and they can block on those plays. That I have no worry about. I want to see them. I want to see them hold up on traditional pass plays, giving Justin Fields a few seconds to throw on a third and eight where he's letting a play develop. I want to see that. I just maybe, I don't know, call it a criticism, call it a, just a something. I, I got to see it before I believe it, that this unit can do that. Cause they didn't do it last year. And I'm hopeful that they're, they're better this year. I'm hopeful that they're going to improve there, but until I see them hold up against a sustained pass pass rush and give him time in a, uh, in a in a situation where everybody knows he's throwing the ball and everybody knows he's got to gain seven or eight yards to do it, I, I guess I I won't feel all the warm and fuzzies until I see it play out. But I'm I like what I saw from them. I just I haven't seen that yet, and I'm still nervous about it. Um, how could he not be a little bit nervous after last year? No, no, no. I I get that. I like you explaining it that way makes sense. Like I wanted to see it too. I mean, I'm not going to complain that DJ Moore, Khalil Herbert was more tackled at the 20 because those are great plays. And Jason said it too. Like, Oh, we wish we could have seen a little bit more. They played two series. And in those two series, it was only seven plays, but I just thought like your comment about like, well, because we didn't see it, it kind of still means they stink at it. I that's the part I kind of took exception well, to because I'm like, well, we just we haven't seen it, and that was by no fault of yeah, it was just the Bears playmakers outperforming everybody. Well, and in fairness, part of me was upset that they didn't have their full unit, and I felt like maybe yeah. they were designing a a uh, uh, a scheme or their like a game plan around the fact that they didn't have guys that could stand up to the protection. I think they were trying to protect them a little bit, right? But now after hearing J-Mac talk about how they've been working on screens religiously in, in camp, then I'm like, okay, maybe that's just, they just wanted to work on something. But it felt like to me, without that information, it felt like, hey, we don't have our full unit. We're not 100% confident these guys can hold up and protect him and keep him safe. So we're going to run some simple screen passes. And that was like, Oh man, that kind of pisses me off. Cause I want to see him. I want to see fields do a little bit more than that. But, but now but with that if, information from J Mac, it makes more sense. Well, that's what I was going to say is if, if now we're looking at an offense that is more predicated on these, Hey, we run the ball well, and we have these screens that we do exceptionally well. And that's the style of offense that we're going to do, but we do it exceptionally well. Like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like we, we were so anxious to see an offensive line that can hold their blocks uh, that won't get their quarterback killed on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think that's exactly what Luke Getze was doing with this game plan, which shells you and I talked a little about, uh, about in our thread is how do you keep him safe when yep. you already have all these injuries on the line? <laughs> Don't put him out there on an Island with a patchwork offensive line. Exactly. You know, it, it makes me think a little bit too about, you know, how bare the cupboard was at the offensive line, how really terrible it was dragging two guys off the streets, you know, uh, two weeks before the season, those two guys saw a lot of playing time. And then it speaks to the time that it takes to begin to accumulate the talent in the building that can then fill those positions. And then the time it takes to make sure that they are healthy and can gel together. I mean, Really, when you look at the big picture of offensive line play in the NFL, it's a it's a bit of like the 
planets aligning. It's we know this, right? It's not just going to happen overnight. And um, but I also do think there is some benefit. What I like about Chris Morgan is like you're you're not wrong about Nate Davis, but I feel like Chris Morgan takes those opportunities to plug and play guys as much as humanly possible. And guess what? There are so many injuries on the offensive line over the course of a season that there is a lot of next man up going on on that offensive line, and it's proven to be pretty effective at least in the run game last year. But I agree with you. It really would be nice to see if they can protect him on a nice, you know, five second count, you know, for a mid to long range ball in some, in some specific instances. Jack, great point. I just want to say like, it hit me when I saw that uh, additions and subtractions graphic they threw up. Yes. (laughs) I was like, I mean, I, when you're living it, you're like, yeah, they've made a lot of moves. But then when you see it, you like yeah. who they took away and who they added. You're like, oh, my gosh, both, yeah. both did a lot of work this year. Right. And the other thing I would say, too, about the offensive line, I really like what Brendan said about Carter. Because, I, you know, I, we've talked a lot about – I've talked a lot about how what I like this specific coaching staff talking about drafting and developing. And it, we kind of forget about some of the guys that they've drafted over the course of, the, you know, the short period of time. But Carter's one of them. You know, like there's guys on the roster that could produce in some way on Sundays. I want to see as time evolves more and more of these guys that they've accumulated actually produce. We saw that with Carter and we saw that with Leatherwood. Great signs, like great yeah. signs. A little game. bit with Doug Creamer too. A little yeah, bit. Agreed. Right. Like he looked, he looked pretty good. He looked yeah. pretty good down the stretch. Right? Like let's just really, their... Go ahead. Sorry, Jack, just really quick on Carter. That is a massive human being. And sometimes you forget it. Right. And then we, we happen to be up close to him. And then Brendan and I are looking at him going, he's not even the biggest guy out there. And just like I had to do like full knelt, net, neck tilt up to look at that dude. Sorry. Total yeah. sidetrack. And I'm, and I'm not like kidding. When we were there on Wednesday, especially when it was like, you know, more full team drills, it was like more of the full speed. He was getting beat every single time. Every single time. And I was like, if this guy has to start a game, there's no hope. But I mean, the fact that he is getting those reps and he is developing, like it is such, such a great sign. So it's, it's good for him with Davis out and Patrick. So, you know, I think you, you bring up a good point about Chris Morgan, your guy. So what do you think it is? Cause just real quick guys, Josh Rock, who we've had on the podcast does a great job, had an article come out recently that I, I screenshot, I think, and, and put on Twitter um, go check it out. It's fantastic. He raised some concerns about the level of play from the offensive line in camp, um, more so the interior offensive line, but he said the tackles didn't look that much better. So I'm curious, Brendan, from your perspective, you're saying that he got beat pretty badly uh, in camp when you were there. We've heard some reports that the offensive line hasn't looked great in camp. What do you think changed from then to the to to game one? Was it just the level of competition they were going up against in the Titans? Do you think they're just truly working on stuff in camp and and it was just a different, you know, approach for game one? What what do you think it was? I've been thinking about this and part of the answer, I I, I one, I don't think there's like a, a one true answer, but how I rationalize it is that these guys have now competed against one each each other time in and time out and they know each other's tells they know each other's strengths and weaknesses I mean it it was kind of like bizarro world I mean I talked about Carter but we also saw Javon Dexter really rise up during camp and he was becoming a nuisance whereas I didn't see much of anything of Zach Pickens and then all of those roles reversed on Saturday Zach Pickens was the guy who was making plays and Javon Dexter he had some moments but there were also some moments where he was just completely taken out of a play so 
I think part of it could be that these these players have you know competed every single day for the last two weeks, two plus weeks, and they just know what kind of what each other can do. Um, I will say when I and again, I've only been there for three days, and two one of those days was really just like a glorified walkthrough with Jack, but. I was I was impressed by the tackles. I was hopeful with the tackles. I, you could see Darnell Wright's athleticism, the quickness. Braxton Jones was holding up much better against defenders. The, my biggest concern with Darnell Wright was he was the false starts. Guy just kept jumping like every other play, and so I was also kind of afraid that well we're probably going to get a false start penalty, and he was fine in the seven plays that he played. So. That's my best guess. Um, it could also be working on different things too, uh, different, you know, looks and and coverages, and the Bears trying different things out. But uh, I I don't know if it's one true answer. It also could be the Titans' defensive line's not that great either. <laughs> they didn't have Harold Landry. They didn't have Jeffrey Simmons. Two of those guys are you know could be game wreckers. So lot lot goes into it. I would say. I thought I Jack- heard, pregame. I thought I heard that they did not start any of their starters on defense. I, I think that's that's the case. Sure. Yeah. So Jack, just I want to make sure that we keep this thing rocking and rolling. Is there anything positive or negative that hasn't yet been talked about with a game that you wanted to get after? Briefly, after the the first drive, I was concerned about the defense. Uh, you know, you tweeted it, uh, Ryan, and I thought they were a out of position and b the technique was really terrible. I'm going to chalk it up to maybe just first game adrenaline and jitters because. Then all of a sudden they settled into playing some pretty darn good defense. And I feel like people are concerned about the defensive line, but I look at it like they have accumulated almost a Swiss army knife of talent. They've figured out way, ways to find pass rushers. They've got guys that can plug holes like Andrew Billings and Jones. Uh, they have all types of different interior and exterior uh, D linemen. And, and I do think as it progresses, we're going to see that unit uh, be better than is expected. Uh, and I think we saw a little bit of that as a positive uh, in the game on, uh, on Saturday. Um, I was in terms of negatives. I, I really, I, I feel like Flus has done a pretty good job with the drip, but his t-shirt game on the sidelines was rather <laughs> pathetic and weak. I just feel like sometimes even the best of us, we just grab the first clean t-shirt we find and we roll with it. But I feel like he was misguided uh, in that certain, that choice. And then, and this one may be controversial. I'm a little concerned, but I thought it was a great thing um, that Vrabel handed over the head coaching role to his assistant coach, who was yeah. an African-American. And I like Adam Amin, but I just felt like the constant mentioning of it made it feel like it was a token or something. Mm. I guess big picture, what I really would love, I think the idea of it is a great idea. We've heard other coaches that have done it as a means to get exposure for assistant coaches in the league. All of that, great, absolutely behind it. I can't wait till we don't have to talk about it anymore. That's what I hope. I hope for a day when it's just not brought up as a conversation because we are hiring coaches for the caliber and their ability to coach and it has nothing to do with their skin color. I don't know if I made myself clear on that, but I just, I didn't feel like it was handled well on the broadcast, but I thought Vrabel did a great job of allowing the opportunity. I think maybe, and I'm just speculating here. I don't know anything, you know, um, concrete, but I believe Adam Amin is, you know, of uh, some Arabic descent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I could be wrong. So I apologize, but maybe he was just kind of also pointing it out because he's talked a little bit about his diversity and, and coming up through those ranks and, you know, really, you know, talking about having to work harder. And um, I know he and uh, Adam Abdallah of ESPN 1000 share like a friendship of that, uh, you know, because um, Adam Abdallah is Egyptian. And so he talks about his heritage. So maybe Adam Amin was just trying to, you know, really point out like, Hey, you know, as somebody else who's a minority, like I appreciate this and, you know, trying to call attention to it. So again, I don't know, but I could kind of, you know, see that as, as a thing. So gentlemen, for me, my two positives, uh, the first one, Kyler Gordon, those two big, big hits that he made on, on, uh, on Chris. Thank you so much. Um, you know, where the bar, the ball is jarred loose that it just, it makes me really happy to see you guys all know I was insanely highly critical of Kyler Gordon. Um, and I think rightfully so in the, in the first half of last season, but dude, he, he, he balled out and it was fun to watch. Now hear me out on this gentlemen, please just make sure that we just, when I say this first part, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it reminds me a little bit of Lovey Smith's defense. I'm not saying that it's, it's, you know, going to be the 0506 team, but what I mean is yards are going to come and they're, and they're going to, there's, they're going to move the ball a lot, but that turnovers are, are such an important part of this team. And there were a lot of turnovers and that was really fun to see mm-hmm. one more time. I do not think this is the 0506 bears defense. I'm just saying it reminded me of, Lovey's scheme in that sense. And then Tyler Scott, ooh, um, not making me the most of his uh, his debut. Uh, he's a rookie. He's got a lot of time, but it just 12 and 13, both uh, not having such uh, great games. Boys, what I want to do is hit some true-false. We'll also have an opportunity to, uh, to get around anything that we missed. All right, boys. First one, we're going to go for the same order that we have, Brendan, Patrick, and Jack, I will finish it up. True or false, Valus Jones ball security will get him cut from this team. True. Dante Pettis is coming back. Uh, Tyler Scott, maybe he wasn't electric in the return game, but he held on to the ball. So that's a first step. And I just think that there's not – he had one catch for six yards on the offense. It wasn't like he was lighting it up there. I just think there's better options. There's – there's better guys that can take the roles and be more dependable. So if he can't catch a punt or, you know, if he's a liability at kickoff, even what else is there? So true. Yeah. Should be true. I think it'll say a lot about Ryan poles um, and what kind of GM he's going to be. Right. We know Ryan pace tended to hold on to his mistakes a little too long. I hope Ryan Poles is not that kind of guy. I don't think he's that kind of GM. I think he'll he's the kind of guy that sees like, hey, this this ship is sinking. I need to cut bait and and cut my losses. Uh, so I hope he will. Um, so I'm going to say true, but it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, I'm going to say false. The Bears will realize that they are mishandling the situation by putting him in the punt returner role and that that's not the best position for him to be in, clearly. Uh, The Bears will continue to realize that he has a ton of upside athletically, uh, that he's big, that he's physical, that he's fast. uh, He has breakaway speed uh, and that he can be a game changer. Uh, And and so they are not willing to give up on him yet. uh, And I don't think that they – I don't think they're going to cut him. Plus, they probably don't want the age discrimination lawsuit that will likely follow. Good point. Good point. There it is. Good point. 
I, I feel like no matter what I say, people are going to just say Dengel's a, a Valus hater. Um, I, I don't I don't wish any ill will on this guy in any way, shape, or form, but I think it's true. You get so many opportunities in the NFL, and there's somebody else that's that's waiting to get into that position. And I think right now Tyler Scott is is has essentially the same skill set, excuse me, but he's younger um, and you know has has an opportunity to prove it. So yeah, I, I, maybe he'll be on the practice squad, but I don't see Valus making this final 53 man roster. I have a quick question. So you said cut. Do you think that he holds any sort of trade value for a team that might think they can get more out of him? No, I don't. I don't even for a conditional seventh. I don't think he's displayed enough on field um, attributes to be able to have any type of trade collateral. All right, boys, I'm excited to get to this next one. True or false? PJ Walker should be the Bears backup quarterback this season. Same order, boys. I still say true. I think I've compared him many times to a poor man's Jay Cutler because he's got a rocket arm, but he's a little erratic sometimes. It wasn't a great showing, and he's kind of had an up and down camp, but I think he still offers enough as a backup quarterback where he can come in and spark something. But you know what? The Bears have that emergency quarterback situation. I know that – or I'm sorry, the NFL has implemented that. I know that's also in case of injury, though. So the Bears could carry three quarterbacks, but only the third one gets in in case of injury. Uh, But I I still say true. I think people spell and make some plays. Yeah, I'm going to say true, too. I I thought about this. if Justin Fields goes down, knock on wood, God forbid that should happen. The Bears are screwed either way. I don't think it really matters. I think you want somebody in the backup role who's who's a veteran, who's professional, who can mentor Fields, uh, who can help him in the film room. That's what you're really looking for in this scenario out of a backup quarterback. If you're thinking you're going to have a backup quarterback who's going to step in and we're not going to miss a beat or we're going to be able to – to sustain a Justin Fields, um, you know, significant absence, it ain't happening. So I don't see any reason to take him out of that role. So I'm going to say true. He stays as the backup quarterback. I will also say true mainly because it's so early and it's just one showing. Uh, He does have terrific arm strength and he's got experience in the NFL. I could see, uh, honestly, if if the bears figure out their pass blocking and are able to protect a quarterback, this might sound crazy, but I could see him making a case for Peterman. I mean, and I don't even love Peterman. I know that you do, Brendan. But um, he had the best throw of the day. <laughs> I mean, you're the best downfield throw of the day without question and also has a ton of experience. With a with better protection, I could see him being a serviceable quarterback um, and, and perhaps um, less of a turnover risk. I would yeah, actually I'll push, I'll, I'll, I'll push back on that. I think Tyson Badgent, am I saying his name right, Brendan? Agent. He he had the best throw of the game. Uh, so he's throwing outside to his right. Was it third down, fourth down, whatever it was? I thought that was that was a phenomenal play. And I'm still saying true that PJ Walker should be just because his his experience. But I want to see Tyson. I didn't think he looked great when I saw him in practice, but I thought he had a couple throws that were really really nice. Maybe you find well, a way to give him a couple more. He he was. Going up against a bunch of schmuckatellis too that probably aren't going to be with with schmuckatelli receivers. I, I I get that argument, but I also every time it's like when a guy lights it up, right? Or he and he lights it up. 
when a guy plays well, he's also playing with a backup offensive line and a backup group of wide receivers. You know what I mean? Like a good throw is a good throw. That was an NFL throw that he made. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I've seen all these that he needs to be QB two. I'm not saying that, but I would like to see him get a few more opportunities because you know what you have with Peterman. You don't know what you have with this kid. I just want to, yeah, that's, that's all fair. I'm saying. That's fair, but I will push back. Nathan, tell you what, man, Nathan Peterman, that quarterback, he had the best throw to Isaiah Ford, man. He hit it's him okay to do John Gruden jokes again, man. <laughs> he hit him so, perfectly in stride down the right sideline. He did. I thought it, I really thought it was the best throw of the day. So Dangles on record is saying this will be better than the Lovey Smith defense, and Jack Wright saying Peterman should be QB one. Uh, I think we're all right. Yeah, boy, all right. guys, I did not think this is where we we're going to be going tonight. But all right, boys, yeah. I got. I have two more for you. I have two more for you. Uh, so true, false. The you, as Bears fans, should be concerned with the injuries on the offensive line and defensive line. Same order, boys. That's tough. I'm I don't want to say I don't want to tell anybody how to fan. Me personally, I am not concerned yet because it's still August 13th. I do understand what Shell said. I you know, I, I get what you're saying about Nate Davis and Lucas Patrick, especially. I'm just not there yet. Now, if we get to the third preseason game and these guys still aren't practicing, they're not practicing as part of the Colts, then I'll be concerned. I just, and you know what? You can say I was wrong, whatever. I just can't get there yet because we still have a full month to go and a lot can happen before then. Uh, I'm going to say true. The the Bears aren't very depthy. Is that a word? Depthy? No, it is. (laughs) It's not a word. I don't think it, yeah, I think it's a word. Um, But they, they don't have a lot of depth. Okay, so uh, they need all hands on deck all the time. They need everybody to be pulling on the same side of the rope. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, they just they can't afford these kinds of things to happen. Tevin Jenkins is not very sturdy, right? Like, God forbid he goes out. I hope he stays healthy all year, but he hasn't shown that he can do that. Um, and then Nate Davis, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, the more I'm reading – He's kind of been doing this during his time in Tennessee. Is that why he fell out of favor with Mike Vrabel, right? And uh, he skipped OTAs. So he's kind of, I get it, he's a veteran. But I go back to, he has never played against, uh, played alongside of Darnell Wright. He's playing against, or along, excuse me, I keep saying against, playing alongside of a rookie. Like, offensive line more than anybody needs that time to gel and, and develop some cohesion and they're missing key reps right now. And so I think Nate Davis will step in week one, if he's healthy and Nate Davis will do okay for Nate Davis, but will Nate Davis know Darnell Wright's tendencies? Will he know how he, when he needs to help him, what he needs to do to help him without some practice time. So yeah, I'm concerned. They don't have the depth. They need to get healthy. They need to get practice time. This is not a team that's like, okay, we're the Chiefs. We can just kind of hang out and be ready to go week one. Like, they're not good, guys. They're not that good of a team yet. Um, they need this time. They, they, they just do. To your point, Nate Davis has played all 16 – or all games. He played 16 games once in his four-year career. I think you make great points. I'm going to say false. It's camp. <laughs> uh, Jack. Yeah, I mean, great no, point. I, I, really, I mean it that you're right about spending time in camp to develop chemistry. We've talked about that all the time, and that is legit. However, just in terms of like the big picture of injuries, 
because yeah. we're talking about those. We're talking about guys that are are probably a little bit sore, a little bit beat up. It's a super physical sport. You know, uh, maybe it's a deep bruise, maybe it's a, a tinge in a hamstring. Uh, you know, you know, maybe maybe it's a peck or something like that, right? I, at the risk of speaking it into existence, to my knowledge, there has been no discussion or revelation mm-hmm. of any major injuries of any kind, to my knowledge. We got out of Saturday's game healthy. We've got some guys that are sitting out and maybe on the elliptical or doing whatever and getting treatment on occasion. I'm okay with that. Now, if we get to week one or we get through a couple more preseason games and there's discussion about their availability or some type of more severe injury, definitely red flags for me. I'm worried. I say uh, true, but moderately. I'm only moderately worried at this point because, Jack, I think your point is incredibly well made. It's just there's nothing that's being reported just yet, but. Patrick Sheldon made an excellent point is they're, they're not depthy. There's not a lot of good depth here. And if we go back to last year where Justin Fields is running for his life, why did he have a thousand yards rushing? It's not just because he's an amazing athlete. It's because his offensive line stunk and he had no other option and receivers kept dropping balls. Right. So, you know, one of those problems has been addressed, I think in a very good way, but the other one, Man, I, Nate Davis was a good signing. I, it, it didn't blow my hair back. I, I was the guy that was critical on our text chain to say that, that Ryan Poles hasn't done enough with the offensive line yet. I, and that's, that's just how I feel about it. All right, boys, this one's going to get you guys riled up. That's why I saved it for the end. And I'm very anxious to see what happens. True or false? Packers fans, as well as Hub Arkish, have legitimate criticism of jf1 for air yards same order boys they have so the question is they have legitimate concerns legitimate criticism criticism is their criticism legitimate is what you're saying right okay false no they don't know shit next (laughs) (laughs) i'm not no i'm serious i'm not entertaining it i don't care i do not care (laughs) if you want to dissect it fine like there were three good plays who cares seven total plays Go bitch about it somewhere else. I know, Shells, you've been fighting the good fight. I I respect you, but I don't care. Like, you want to dissect everything? I know what I saw. I saw an offense that made the most of their opportunities and scored two touchdowns on two possessions. Yeah. I think I I said it was going to get you guys all riled up, and I didn't expect – that Brendan was going to get the most riled up. That that makes me happy. Sorry. Oh, sorry, shells can man. shells can top me. They they can they can all roll it up real tight and shove it right up their katooch for all I care. Uh, they're absolutely morons if they get riled up about what the Bears did on offense. You know, spoiler alert: he's going to be one of my one of my shout outs. But Warren Sharp, I, I tweeted something uh, almost immediately after the game. Like people are so concerned about yards after catch now. And you go and you look at some of the best offenses in the league and you know what they have a lot of yards after catch and Warren Sharp talked about a great video. I retweeted, go check it out where he talks about um, how many yards after catch Patrick Mahomes gets and how many yards after the catch uh, Brock Purdy got. And those two head coaches are offensive geniuses, right? And they make things easy for their quarterback as Warren pointed out. Yards after catch are not a bad thing. Making things easy for your quarterback is not a bad thing. The object of this game is to score points. Score points, score more points than the other team, win the game. That's good, 
Okay. So I don't care how the bears get into the end zone. It's like this idea, like, Oh, I, you know, I texted, like, it's almost as if you said, well, I like home runs, but only if they're more than 450 feet, if it's like a 400 foot home <laughs> run, I, I don't really like it. Cause it's not really, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if it's a home run in 29 ballparks. I don't care if it's a home run in six ballparks. I care if it was a home run in the ballpark and they're playing in. Okay. Is it a touchdown? Yes. Does that count as six points? Yes. Does that make the bears better? Yes. All right. That's it. Like it doesn't matter. So they can all really like sh- shove it up their ass. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. These context crusaders that want to come out this year and talk about, you know, all the context of JF one stats, but they were conspicuously absent last year. Where were all these Packer fans last year when we want to talk about the context of why he didn't have many yards uh, per game because of the terrible offensive line, because of the terrible receivers. And when he was, you know, top 10 in the league in, in attempted air yards and, and uh, pushed the ball downfield, you know, as much as any other quarterback in the league. And now it's like, oh, he can't throw the ball downfield. It's, it's bullshit. It's just nonsense. It's just ignorant it's either ignorant football fans or trolls and i have time for neither of them let's go i love it the passion is palpable i think i might have pulled my katooch while you were making that <laughs> diatribe yeah, i don't know it? where that is excuse me yeah but I think about like... it It could be whatever you want it to be but it's okay. uh yeah um <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i don't false i they don't have legitimate concerns i you guys know me. I don't tend to get into much trolling wars with people on Twitter. I, I mean, I just, I just know that today alone. But you know, I've been called uh, an idiot, stupid, uh, that I don't know anything about football. Um, you know that I'm a typical Bears fan. You uh, know, you know what I mean. Whatever. Like the personal attacks, I'm not interested in them. I don't really care for them. I, I enjoy the rivalry. I mean, I'll be excited when and if the, the Chicago Bears beat the Packers. And then I'll probably talk a little bit of trash if anything comes my way. Um, but I just think ultimately it, it, it's um, just a lot of like, it's just like a waste of time mostly in my opinion, because like, w- like what does it mean and where is it going to go? Um, I do think maybe they're a little bit nervous about their quarterback. And I think rightfully so now that they don't have a hall of fame quarterback under center, um, I just think they don't know our organization. They don't know Justin Fields. If they think Justin Fields isn't going to be any good, they are just, they're, they're wrong. And that's not bias on our part. Like we've watched him. We've analyzed him. We've had other coaches come in and talk about him. Um, we try to base what we talk about on credibility. I know for a fact that, Ga- you know, Greg, Greg Gabriel had my back on the points I was trying to make against Packers fans today. Three head football coaches had my back. Two offensive line coaches had my back on the, tri- the points that I was trying to make today. So, like, ultimately, do they have legit, like, criticisms or concerns? I haven't seen one because if they did, I would love to dialogue about it because I do dialogue with people on Twitter, but I haven't seen one yet. That's credible. There, real quick, there's a, gr- there's a great phrase in the legal community. They say when you've got the facts on your side, argue the facts. When you've got the law on your side, argue the law. When you have neither, pound the table. And that's what the <laughs> Packers are doing, the Packers fans. They're just pounding the table. They got nothing. Yeah, I'm going to say false, uh, but there's not much that I can say here other than I try not to talk smack uh, be before the season even starts. Frankly, we don't know what Jordan Love is going to be. I don't think he's going to be very good, but I don't know that. 
I thought the Seattle Seahawks, Jack, to your point, uh, when we talked to the guys of the Royal Alliance, I thought they were going to be hot trash and the Bears were going to be okay last season. Both of those things were incorrect, right? We don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen week one. Um, I'm probably leaning towards the Packers are going to get a win because they're probably better top to bottom minus the quarterback. But who knows what their quarterback is going to be? Nobody knows at this point. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I just want to watch football. And I just don't understand why it, it just every conversation, every pass, every play devolves into a name calling, um, you know, just at one point we had, a, and I share this with these guys, I had a Packers fan uh, that threatened to kill me after he fornicated uh, with my mother and that Jordan Love was going to fornicate with my mother. Um, like, bro, like what? What, what, what are you, uh, dude? Like chill out. It's sports, yeah. man. It's yeah. it's a game. Chill out. Yeah. Was he the sloppy seconds in that scenario? Just you know, is he oh. owning himself too? I'm just curious. So, <laughs> so we were family-ish episode, but that just that <laughs> podcast just out the window, gone. All right, boys. Anything that we missed? This has been a nice long episode. Anything that we have missed? Um, and maybe one thing that you're looking forward to for preseason game number two. Let's go same order as last time, boys. Yeah, I got two. Uh, first off, Tyreek Stevenson had a really, really good game, especially after a tough first series. That first play that Kyler Gordon almost had or had his big hit, that was Tyreek Stevenson's guy. He got behind him. But then the rest of the way, he was showing that he was really good in pass coverage, in run defense. He had a tackle for loss. He led the team in seven ta- with seven tackles, all of which were solo, which I thought was really good. He had one tackle for loss that I mentioned. He had a pass breakup that was almost an interception that probably would have been a pick six too. So it would have been cool if he could have gotten his hands on that. But Tyreek Stevenson is definitely showing that he is capable of being that starting opposite corner of Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. So he's definitely going to take his lumps like we saw a couple plays, but I think he's going to match that intensity and be a really, really good uh, draft pick for the Bears this year. And then I'm surprised that it took us over an hour to mention number 99, the mighty Thor, Trevis Gibson. I mean, my goodness. Oh, Jack. All right, fine. You want to, you want to downplay him? That's fine. Look, I mean, great, great game. No doubt about it. I I just, again, and I don't understand. I don't, where you been, bud? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know where he's been. I mean, (laughs) played well against backups, backups. He did, but he consistently, he consistently did it. It wasn't like, you know, once, Every couple plays, every single play, he was generating pressure, getting QB hits, five tackles, three of them solo. Uh, He had the one sack. He pretty much led a couple other sacks. He would have gotten there, and then he pushed him into um, another guy. Three quarterback hits. I mean, that's great. And then, look, I know it's preseason, but five total tackles. I tweeted this. He hadn't done that since week 10 of 2021. Didn't have a game all last year where he had any more than I think three or four tackles. So look, yeah, it's against bench warmers or people that may not make the team, but he showed out when he needed to. Maybe he took motivation from being just dropped on the depth chart, but it's just good to see that he was he's, has that fire in him and he turned into Infinity War Thor that Ryan still doesn't know what it means, but let me just say he's a badass. So good for good that's, for Gibson. That's not fat he's Thor. A, is he a Not baddie? fat Thor. Okay, all right. Is he a baddie? Brandon? No, he's not a bad. 
It's not a baddie, man. Come on. It's a callback. It's a call. It's all right. I know. Nobody, I know. Nobody, nobody outside nobody. of our text chain knows what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. They're like, hey, don't tell inside jokes because we don't get it. They're not funny to us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, nothing that we missed or nothing that I, uh, that I wanted to talk about the game, but I think you also asked what we're looking forward to for the next game. Um, oh, right. I wanted to ask J-Mac if we had some more time because I know he said he wanted to see more of Fields. I did too. I know, I, you know, I didn't want him to get injured, but I want to see more of him. So I'm curious how much we're going to see of Fields and some of the other first team offensive players. Um, is Claypool going to be back? I don't know what his injury situation is. I'd like to see Ngakwe get some action. I, I want just selfishly, I want to see him because um, I haven't seen a whole lot of Jacksonville Jaguars games in the past. So I'm looking to see um, how much the the first team offense plays next week, and hopefully they can continue to build on some of the success they had uh, the other day. Um, three quick things. One, DJ freaking Moore, guys. Dude. DJ Moore, catch and run so fast. I heard guys on the team, on the field, that were trying to like chase after him say, he's even faster than I thought he was. Uh, we have a game-changing uh, wide receiver one, and that is so bleeping awesome. How about awesome. that block by Mooney, too, by the way? Yes. Uh, the oh, Denver my God. ES, ESB, like, those guys, like, the pride they take in the wide receiver group for downfield blocking has been one of the greatest shifts for the better in the Bears organization. Awesome. Awesome. Um, secondarily, uh, I have it on good information – from some indirect inside sources that the Chicago bears said that if they felt like they had a shot this year, they would go out and they would get a veteran tight end and they would get an elite defensive end pass rusher. Otherwise, if they hadn't, then they might have re-signed a player that was formerly on the team. So from somebody that was in the building, a former player that was going to possibly be resigned, this player was told that if the Bears thought that they were in a position to be good, they would go, go out and they would get a veteran tight end and they would get an elite pass rusher for what it's worth. So perhaps the Bears think that they are closer on their timeline than we originally thought. I have questions. Oh, can I ask a question? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to reveal your sources or anything. You right. said it. This the Bears were potentially going to re-sign a former player to this position. Was it a tight end or edge rusher? It was a tight end. It was a tight. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and I don't. I guess I want to be a little bit clandestine, only because. I'm not exactly sure how much I can and should. No, no, no. I, that's fine. I just did. You were protect your when, source, dude. Right. No, no, I got it. You don't yeah. have to. Um, right. I, when you said I, for some reason, I just kept thinking like edge rusher, but versus tight end. So, right. You think you're, you're saying that because the bears, they, they potentially like upgraded at tight end and edge rusher by getting these guys because they feel they're closer to a potential playoff spot than not. Correct. Got it. Okay. Nice. Good nugget. Thanks. You know, George kind of George kind of hinted at that at the broadcast too. He did. Boy, is he mm-hmm. awkward? 
Great guy. That's, That's so your awesome. source, dude. It's George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's all over town. He's a great dude. Uh, and then the just last thing um, that I will say is that uh, on a screen pass, uh, when the ball is delivered behind the line of scrimmage to the receiving player, to my knowledge, there is no restriction on offensive linemen releasing down the field to block. And I, I can't show it to you where it's in the rule book specifically, but it's the way I coached it for 18 plus years. It's the way that I've seen it all my, all my life in football. If the pass is behind the line of scrimmage, then the, the offensive lineman will brush and go and they will find a defender to, to hit and they will head hunt. And that's what I know. Full stop. I'm anxious to see running back, how this shakes out. I'm looking at this running back depth chart and there are five guys. Well, okay. Four and a half that I think are, that I'm really, really excited about. And so it's when you start looking at Cleo Herbert, Dante Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Treston Ebner and Travis Homer. I mean, I think all of those guys have had success in one way or another. And so I'm just, I'm very anxious to see how that shakes out through the rest of the preseason games. I may, I don't know if that's on anybody else's radar, um, but I just, I'm very excited about this running back room and, if the Bears showed anything last year, they can run the football. Maybe they find a way to make Justin Fields run less often or need to run less often. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I, you know, yes, it stinks not having Demo, but that's a pretty good list of running backs, and I'm excited to see what what mm-hmm. what happens with it. Boys, it's been a fun episode. Let's get to shout outs. Let's get out of here. You know what? Why sh- why why change a bad thing or wait? Sorry. Why change a good thing when it's going well? Let's go the exact same order. So let's go Brennan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. All right. My uh, my shout outs are all specific to one thing. And um, it's people who not only take the time to read my stuff on Bears Wire, but those who really just say like, you know, retweet and say like, oh, this is good stuff from Brennan. I really appreciate it. Uh, even four years after doing it, I get a lot of anxiety about sharing my articles because I just feel like sometimes I'm, I miss things or, you know, people aren't going to agree with my thoughts, but just to have, uh, certain people really just say like, oh, this was, this was great. This was good observations and all that. It really means a lot more than anything, because again, I just second guess myself sometimes. So I just want to give a shout out quickly to, Michael Piff, Jeremy Layton, and uh, my guy B. Shulks. All three of those guys I love communicating with. Big Bears fans. Of course, Jeremy uh, used to write used to write with the Post. I think he's – I don't know if he shared. No, he did share. He's with the Daily Mail now. Uh, Michael Piff, of course, with WGN Radio. And then B. Shulks, just the biggest Mitchell Trubisky fan out there. Uh, I totally disagree with that, but he's a really nice guy, and I love going back and forth with him. So uh, to you three guys, thank you so much for the support the last couple of days. Uh, it truly, truly does mean a lot. So I uh, just wanted to give some love to those guys. Brennan, you do great work. Uh, and if anybody disagrees with your take, it's because they're complete a-holes um, and no other reason. So that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, my shout outs. I have three. Uh, I've shouted this guy out a bunch before, but um, he's just always the voice of reason. And if, if there's one person I need to meet on Twitter and have a beer with, it's this guy. I feel like we were separated at birth. We're kindred spirits. We are so simpatico. You may know who I'm talking about. Uh, Unfaltering One uh, used to go by Frozen Warrior. Um, 
just like I every time I get a, a, a tweet from him or a retweet or something or, or a message, uh, it's always spot on and 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 brightens up my day. Uh, so shout out to you, my friend. Uh, hopefully we can share a beer at some point in our lives. Uh, the second one, I teased it a little bit before. I know you guys were all excited about my shout outs, but uh, Warren Sharp, he is at Sharp Football. Had that great video about uh, yards awesome. after catch. I want He's you to go so check good. out. Very good. Very good. Um, and then the last one, uh, I don't think he's on Twitter and, uh, he's kind of a big deal. Um, Kevin Warren, I want to give a shout out to the bears. president. So cool. Um, so cool. It, I know that the, the recent story is very cool and I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to say overall, like what a, what a stark contrast from the bears last president to this president. This one is so much more, present he's so much more available he's so much more out in the public eye he's so much more um ingratiating to the fans and welcoming the opportunity to be the bears president and understanding what that truly means and how to connect with the people that make the bears what they are uh which are the fans and i can't tell you like how much i appreciate that uh and he's had just a couple of of um uh, I, I don't know what to call them, but um, public, I guess, inc- incident is not the right word. I'm struggling for the right word, but interactions, interactions, yeah. or he had the one where he was in the office and um, started talking to the guy who was washing the windows and offered him, you know, tickets to come sit in the suite and watch a Bears game. And then uh, just recently, the other day, I can't remember when it was, but uh, the, the Bears posted the video. If you want to go check it out, um, Nicole Mitchell, a deaf single mother of three from Cook County, uh, who he, I think he met at the Bears Care Back to School Fair uh, and told her he would pay for her and her family's rent for the next year. Personally, not this is not a team thing. This is a Kevin Warren thing out of his own pocket that him and his wife um, was in their heart to do, and they're going to do it. And, uh, you know, all the things that he's got on his plate, right? And it's it's easy to get lost in that and just focus on the business of the Bears. But he truly gets what the bears mean to the community and what he means to the community and how he can make an impact in the community. And so kudos to Kevin Warren. Uh, you're doing a great job. And, and I can say this bears fan is proud that you're our, our favorite team's president. Here, here. Very nice. That was very nice. A uh, couple of shout outs uh, for me. Uh, I'd like to shout out uh, Greg Gabriel. Uh, he was right there in the trenches with me all day today during my heated Twitter war with the Packers fans. So uh, thanks, Greg Gabriel, Uh, 30 plus years NFL scouting, nine years as a scouting director, apparently some NFL background. Um, I want to use our guy, uh, Scott uh, Schwartz, correct? Uh, Scott Schwartz. Thank you. Um, As kind of a um, symbolic representation of a shout out. He's a teacher. To all the teachers, thank you to those of you who are going to be teaching my kids and our listeners' kids and uh, Shells' kids. And uh, thanks to all the teachers. You're doing God's work this upcoming year. We appreciate you greatly. Uh, teach on, teachers. Shout out to you. 
First one goes to Brennan Chagru for bringing me along to my first Bears training camp since uh, the Bears were at Olivet Nazarene. I had a blast, Brendan. It's fun hanging out with you, dude. And, you know, we don't do enough of it, uh, but, you know, it, life life is difficult to do so, that sometimes. So thank you very, very much. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Derek DeBear from Scotland, from Glasgow, Scotland, um, he got a personal shout out from Jared Payton, who recorded like a two minute plus video of, uh, because Derek is coming to his his very first Bears game um, in, in the United States, uh, week one against the Packers. Um, and so he's super excited about it. He's hoping that uh, that he and I can connect, but uh, we're a little bit worried just because, you know, baby baby dangle number two is, is coming pretty quick. So we'll, we'll see when, when that might happen. Um, so this one goes out to Derek and Jared. Thank you so much for that. And then he just goes by Eddie. Um, so it's at eddie b2 uh, oh i love eddie he's my, he's, eddie's my boy awesome we've had some great interactions and some some really fun stuff and so eddie shout out to you for all of us here at the bear down chicago podcast we know you could get your bears content anywhere there's so many good podcasts out there but you've chosen to hang out with us folks thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we are very excited about this season covering the Bears. Uh, it's 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 just it's going to be a lot of fun. If you could do a couple things for us, number one, please subscribe, whether that be on YouTube, whether that be on Spotify, whether that be on Amazon Music, whatever it is that you get your podcast, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could hit us with a five star review, because that really helps to widen our audience. For all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago Podcast, thank you so very much, folks, and as always, Bear Down Chicago.